Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets, ideas can change the world. One of the things um, that's so important in business is to get the right data at the right time to affect organizational outcomes. It's, it's always the challenge of every leader, every C-level executive getting the right data so you can make effective decisions. Most of that data today, if you think about it, we're always grabbing data that seems to be in the rear view mirror. We're always looking backwards and having meetings about what has happened. There are some executives really good at, at managing data that can create scenarios that predict organizational outcomes. Uh, and they do that, they're like unconscious competence. Um, and there's certain tools out there that'll help them. But I'm always fascinated about how we can get better at making, making data-driven forecasts of the future, because the, we're always in the future. The, the future is what disrupts what we believe in today, whether it's how we manage people, how we manage our processes, how we manage our organizational outcomes, which is our business model. So, so data can disrupt a business model in a good way and a bad way. So the other day, a gentleman reached out to me from Milan, Italy, and said, I need to talk to you about what I'm doing around digital transformation and innovation and why it matters. And I, it grabbed me. We've been on the phone for a few minutes. This is all very spontaneous. We've been on the phone a few minutes, Seattle to Milano, Italy. And I get to talk to John Luca Bichelia. Do I have that right? You have that right. The best <laughs> I've heard so far. Can't wait. I'm learning Italian as I go. This is awesome. You're amazing. And he is the um, founder and CEO of Vision, but he's also a trainer, a consultant, and uh, and a teacher. So um, John Luca, very very interested in digging deep into your findings before you started the company. Your findings on the job to be done. The, the, your findings on what is driving leaders around these data driven decisions and why it matters. Does that sound legitimate? Is a good way to start the conversation? That, that's that's absolutely it because I, uh, I've been working in the space for all my career, right? I, I started in the Vodafone group and then I moved to private equity uh, where every time you had to back up your recommendations to management based on numbers. Right, and most probably you resorted to uh, Excel to build your uh, business case. And I found myself uh, always stuck sometimes uh, with questions like, where are these assumptions coming from? Or uh, what happens if you change this by X percent, Y percent? So that's the typical problem that every uh, decision maker or analyst has, depending on which side of the table you are looking at but it's the difficulty to translate, to transform a beautiful instrument like Excel, which is linking your intellectual property and understanding the business to the financial outcome with the tough questions that decision makers always ask. And where did you learn the tough questions that C-level <laughs> officers like chief financial officers and their teams for example, just to use one scenario, 
where did you learn the questions? Where, where did that learning come from? Uh, it comes from pain in the sense that every time I was asked to recommend a course of action, for example, do we partner with a competitor to avoid installing from scratch certain equipment? Uh, do, do we acquire this company? What should be the price per share? And, but all these things are not set in stone. They all depend on dynamic, dynamic things that change over time. Like when you have in a model, you have something like inflation. You make a best guess about it, but it could change. Cost of labor could change. So everything could change. So you can't present a compelling business case without incorporating uh, risk and variability in the assumption sets, in the scenarios. So the deterministic part where you collect uh, the best minds you are you have access to, and also the probabilistic uh, uh, aspects of it that you need to incorporate into the risk analysis. So every time I got the same set of questions when I was a junior analyst, and then when I became a senior, I was asking the same questions because I want to know what is really important in what I'm looking at. Some people get stuck on uh, assumptions which are irrelevant, which even when they change by 50%, they don't impact the, the, the return on investment by even 1%. So, but they people don't have the sense of it until they really measure. They go by guts. They, they think that it's complicated to get access to this kind of insight. And they hold their nose and they make decisions with whatever they have because they, uh, they believe, they perceive this as being overly complicated. But nowadays, technology allows to get that straightforwardly. Okay, so you said something very interesting just now. I want to make sure I, I really hold on to it until we fully understand it. You're absolutely right. Since the CEO's main job is navigating risk and opportunity, and every one of the functional roles, the C-suite, the executive suite, has its own domain, if you will, that helps them manage risk and opportunity. And, um, and the CEO needs to pull that team together so they all see the whole picture and can understand each other. But you just said something really interesting, I, and it resonates with me. Because it's so complex to, as I said in the opening here, to one, even aggregate the data we do have so we understand what's going on, but even more so, as you just suggested, how do I understand all the variables on my future decision-making, all the scenarios in my future decision-making? How do I do that? And, I, and when you said, yeah, maybe I just hold my nose and make a gut decision based on my experience, right? Right. And, and that resonates. That resonates because, oh, come on. You can't give me all the scenarios. Are you saying that we're at a, a pivot point maybe in technology where we can start helping decision makers with the scenario building? Notice I, I didn't go to the decision yet, the scenario building. So then I can bring my human factor into it to understand what risks I want to take. That's right. Uh, nowadays, there are instruments, there are tools. And Vision is one of those, uh, everyone with their own approach, which are able to tell you um, what are the really important factors, risk factors in your model. So you will know what are the input cells that are driving your output cells in Excel sheet to 
uh, give an example to that everybody can relate to because I believe most of our um, audience here is familiar with Excel. So um, you can know, you can know what accounts for 80, 90% of the variability of a certain decision making on which you base your decision. And based on that, you can create scenarios by asking people what they believe those assumptions should be, or even ask the machine to generate some uh, random numbers to test, to test the future. Obviously, the human has to intervene and decide what type of probability distribution has to go into those samples that you take, what is the domain of validity of those numbers, because obviously, if you say inflation could be you know, minus 10%, most probably every sane human being would say, no, let's limit that number to a certain interval. I believe it's going to happen, right? So yes, automation. Now, there are methodologies like uh, tornado analysis, sensitivities, uh, something which we call scenario waterfall, which allow you to have deeper, deeper insight going beyond the numbers. That's where the name vision comes from, by the way, going beyond numbers to understand really what those numbers are telling you. Because of your background, when you first thought of building a platform like this, most of the time, I know because I've started up companies before, it's very useful most of the time to have a persona in mind. Who is your customer? It doesn't mean that we'll always be your customer. You may have very different personas, but it's useful to start a company thinking of a persona, a customer and a need, a job to be done. Was the first persona you used the CFO? No, it was, it was me. Uh, it was me in the, um, in the shoes of uh, the, the analyst who had to create and present these models and answer the tough questions. So the very first persona, I wanted to empower and give them peace of mind, confidence in defending their work where people like me at the time. So people had to report to an investment committee, for example, and uh, defend uh, whether a company should be acquired or not based on numbers that were run on this company. And uh, after that, I realized that there are different personas look at the same data from different angles. So for example, the other persona would be the CFO who doesn't want to interact with the spreadsheet. And I, I had one of my bosses when I, when I was uh, in a meeting, I said, okay, let me take my Excel. I'll tell you what happens. He said, I don't want to see your black Excel. <laughs> so, uh, and so one of the development areas of Vision was really to say, okay, you have one stop shop where you can create your model, you can import your Excel, and you create your layers of scenarios comfortably, but you also want to help the job to be done by seniors, the job to be done by people who don't have the time or the interest of looking at the intricacies of your technical Excel. So how do you do that, right? You want to expose only the important things of the model back to the impact analysis we discussed before. And you want to share it in a way through virtual layers that they can access on their mobile phone or on the tablet, where they feel reassured that whatever they touch stays only in front of their eyes. They cannot break the single source of truth, which is the model, which is online. So they can go to a conference, they can go to a client with a 
know, pricing calculator, or they can go to their negotiation meeting to acquire the company, simulating the price per share, depending on what the counterpart is saying, without having to call the analyst every time and say, can you change this cell and tell me what happened? Can you change this cell and tell me what happened? So the analyst creates the model. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to stay with that model, but the analyst will create a model. And then the variables, the inputs that go into that model can be user-driven. Absolutely. No matter what department of the company you're in. Exactly. You have complete separation of concern between the model architecture. So who writes the formula, input-output relationship, and the layers of what those numbers are. So you could have a scenario called by marketing department, by HR department, and you can compare them compare them at a click of a button. So why do you have to overcomplicate this by sending zillions of Excel version attachments to emails? And by the way, you lose control of who is seeing that. So there is also an element of security uh, attached to this. Ah, very interesting. Almost, almost like a workflow engine because many people are working off the same model, mm-hmm. right? So, but then there's all these versions and the version can't change without the permission of the author, right? Correct. Correct. And if you yeah, and if you change something, it will point at you. So full accountability. There is no way. So, oh, where is this data coming from? I wasn't given this data. No, there is your timestamp and there is your picture in there. Okay. As you know, the great conversation started, you know, 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, with an ecosystem that represented the risk, resilience, and security industry, the entire mm-hmm. ecosystem, right? Not, not just CSOs and their teams, but also consultants, manufacturers, integrators, and so forth. So an ecosystem, right? And uh, back then, I'm trying to create a scenario for me that you can help me with using a tool like this to see if we can step uh, out of the spreadsheet, if you will. So, um, so they're paid to understand risk to the organization and create ways to mitigate it. And if, it, if something does happen, how to bounce back from it, otherwise known as resilience, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what these practitioners are doing. The job to be done is if at all possible, protect human and material assets from risk that could, you know, bring down the company or at least um, stall its operative nature in fulfilling its mission and purpose, right? Okay, so lots of variables in risk, right? Some are financial, right? Yep. Are you, are there tools being developed for that kind of scenario? Well, I haven't seen holistic uh, holistic tools which address both the qualitative part of the risk assessment and the quantitative one, which is related predominantly to the financials, so the, the financial statements of the company, right? Uh, so I've seen this world uh, as uh, separate because I think they require also different type of competencies that uh, no one probably uh, can create a tool which... Uh, incorporates both sides so for example where we where we concentrate is the ability to uncover uh risks in the uh financial model so that you say oh we are going to be profitable but then you realize that even if you mm, miss you miss the estimate and the assumption of some key drivers by three four percent 
you become unprofitable. So that's the kind of things where we can help with the risk management. Well, this is really good because no matter who's listening, whether it's risk, resilience, security, financial, sales, this is designed as a qualitative tool. And, and yet each of those departments, if you think about it, each one of those functions has a financial model to it, correct? That's right. That's, That's right. right. So it would be interesting to grab an analyst, create a model that uniquely is paired against those corporate functions about their different methods of justifying their investment of their, of their people, process, and tools. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And in, in that sense, we, we have thought about it because um, in, in Vision, I was talking about the different angles uh, from right. which different people can see things and different people can also operate in different ways. So imagine, again, the example of the Excel sheet for, for simplicity, where you have multiple worksheets, like you have revenues, cost, uh, department A, B, C, D. And nowadays you see all or nothing when you share it. You share it via email, data can leak, okay? But there, there are tools like Vision, for example, where you can say, okay, this is the single source of truth, but the HR manager or the marketing manager who is creating, is putting in his assumptions or his calculation model, doesn't need to see everything else, not just for security reasons, but also for simplicity reasons. So everybody work and is engaged. It feels like they are working in one company, one team, but at the same time, they feel um, the safe space to operate with their own data set. And then it gets aggregated at a higher level inside the same source of truth. So that ping pong between departments disappears. So back to the scenario then. We've got right. C-level officers at the table, all with their version of how they see the company and how they help the CEO navigate risk and opportunity. Right? They all have corporate... Right. And the risk resilience security person is inputting into the model along with the team, the variables that might impact the mission, purpose, and goals of the company, right? Exactly. And he's, moreover, he's stress testing it very, very easily. So he's moving the levers. He's trying, well, let me see what happens if these guys got it wrong here. What if these guys get it wrong here? Where are we more unprotected? Where should we account for? Yeah. yeah, so that, that's the role that I see for that. The job to be done for them is to challenge the assumptions by looking at this dashboard and move levers, push buttons, have the full simulation of how the world is going to play out under certain scenarios, and then decide whether the risk is too high, uh, too high compared to the appetite that they have. It would be fascinating to take these different personas, chief legal officer, chief financial officer, HR, chief security officer, and run different scenarios in front of them as a test case. Um, oh, yeah. That would be fun to do under one single source of truth. Absolutely. And all these inputs come in to help the CEO navigate risk and opportunity. Yeah, and it can be done live in the meeting room on a flat screen. So oh. that they can they can fight better, you know. <laughs> when they say, "Hey, why your line is, go, is saying that and my line is saying that," but then you are you are forced into a conversation. You don't you don't dodge it anymore. You don't postpone it anymore. Especially in big corporate 
a big corporate setting where politics play big roles, this brings people back to, you know, back to the real conversation, to an honest conversation about numbers. This has been a great conversation with John Luca, and I'm going to challenge the community, no matter which persona I'm talking to, to really think about that. Think about the power of scenario building for the future that impacts the bottom line, the top line, and uh, and the vision mission of the company. That would be a great conversation in the boardroom. John Luca, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.